I'm sorry here. All right, welcome to the weekend sports buzz. Mike Indoffo here with Kelly Patrick, and we are here from 10 to 12 because of uh, our good friend Brandon J. Lawrence, who sponsors the show. So make sure that you give Brandon J. Lawrence a call for all of your personal injury needs. Uh, great attorney, big Cowboys fan. I'm sure he's excited for another. Actually, the Cowboys play Monday night, uh, but I'm sure they're excited for that. We got a lot to talk about. Not a lot going on yesterday from the local perspective. No U of L. You know, uh, Florida State. Uh, it's coming up on Thursday, so we can kind of talk about the preview of that game, what car fans expect. Uh, I, I hear a lot of optimism from Louisville fans about how their chances are against, uh, you know, against Florida State, and they go back to that, you know, the rain game. Were you at that rain game, Kelly? I was not. My dad was. I was there. I was 100% dry, though, because I was in the Brown-Williamson Club, which was really nice. <laughs> but, you know, that was, a, uh, that was a Florida State team that ended up not being very good. This is not that same kind of Florida State team. I think they came into the game ranked, if I remember correctly. But the way they ended the year, was not a, it was not a very good Florida State team. This is a whole different ball game. And, uh, but it's a huge game for Louisville to kind of um, at least, I think, be close and stay competitive in that ball game. But we'll talk about that, I know, later. We got a lot to talk about. We got the World Series going on. It's going to wrap up here soon. We got the NBA season kicking off on Wednesday. We got the Breeders' Cup next weekend. We got the big football game Thursday night with Louisville and Florida State. Kentucky plays the number one team tougher than anyone in the country has so far yesterday in Lexington. And uh, a lot of shakeup in the SEC. Ole Miss goes down to LSU, proving that that's is the probably the hardest place to play LSU at night in the country. Um, just a ton of stuff going on. Uh, it, you know, we'll start with Kentucky, I guess. Did you get to watch the Cats at all? I caught a lot of that. Man, Patrick Tolles is legit. Yeah, let's put a, let's put a, uh, any argument to bed about if you, who would you take Patrick Tolles or Will Gardner. Patrick Tolles is solidifying himself as at least one of the top 25% quarterbacks in college football. And he's getting more and more talk about his potential in the NFL um, you know, as far as whether or not he'll get drafted in the NFL when he comes out. I mean, I don't think anyone's talking about him coming out early or anything like that, but that he could have a pretty good pro career. Uh, 6'5", being able to move the way he can. He's got a really good arm. There's arguments last night that he outplayed Dak Prescott. You know, I mean... Oh, I, I don't think that's any exaggeration at all. So when you talk about a guy who I would think right now is the favorite for the Heisman and Dak Prescott... Uh, Tolls at least went toe to toe with them and played really well. I, I think you got to temper that a little bit because of how much Kentucky had to rely on Patrick Tolls for basically their entire offense yesterday. Literally, there was no one else in the second half who gained, gained a rushing yard besides Patrick Tolls. Only one other guy carried the football for a rushing yard for a rushing attempt besides Patrick Tolls. So, and when you talk about Patrick Tolls, rushed the ball really well, had his all time high for rushing yards. Had a great game throwing the ball. Uh, even caught a pass. I it's mean, all that, yeah. he, I mean, you look he at did the it everything. You look at the stat line at the bottom of the ticker tape on ESPN. I was watching the Ohio State-Penn State game, and I just kept that, seeing that flash across the bottom. Patrick told stat line, passing, running. And, oh, and he caught a pass for like 10 yards. Yeah. Uh, that looks like, I mean, if you could keep <laughs> that up for a whole season... It's like Heisman material. Well, part of the problem, though, is that they could not get another running game going. I mean, the front uh, four of, of Mississippi State is really well known as being one of the better ones in the SEC. And uh, Kentucky could not open up anything for a running game uh, for their for you know JoJo Kemp or Braylon Hurd or, or Mikel Horton. 
And so it was it was either short pass, long pass, or tolls running the ball, and that was pretty much the only offense they had. And part of my complaint right now as a as a Kentucky football fan is just trying to find an overall identity of this offense, which is always evolving. And then again, we saw the other thing that's my big complaint with this Kentucky football team right now is we keep on trying to do these cute things on special teams that do not work out. Yeah. So, you know, line up, do a traditional onsides kick, and and give yourself a shot instead of having another disaster on the special teams rear its head for the second week in a row. Uh, it was not – it was disappointing, I guess, because you, you had some hope right there that even if they didn't get the onsides kick, they still had two timeouts. You know, with that personal foul – uh, the onside kick would not have been like this unbelievably great field position for Mississippi State. And it was just, you know, they, they try to be cute. And to me, when you're trying to be cute, it shows desperation and it shows that you don't, that the coaching staff doesn't feel like they really belonged. Different situation if you're in the middle of the third quarter and you, and you pull some sort of trick play, I think that's a completely different deal. But when you're in a critical point of the game, you need to kind of stick with the a more whatever you feel is going to give you the best chance, which I hope would not be a trick play. That we can go toe to toe and do that uh, and, and execute a special teams play when we need to. But yeah, a lot of trick plays reminds me of back when the Bengals had Peter Warwick and they used to try wide receiver reverses all the time because they were horrible and they didn't work. It didn't work, and it it just it it's it's a delicate balancing act because you don't want to be a team that's losing but just runs the ball right up the middle every time. Right. Right? Yeah. That's boring as hell. You, you Kentucky fans were some way calling for, and I'm not saying they're calling for a gimmicky offense, but there I've heard a lot of people saying air raid is a perfect fit because if you want to be able to compete with these NFL studded defensive lines and defensive secondaries in the SEC, you gotta kind of try something a little bit different. But you're right, when they're trying just Grasping at straws with special teams tricks and this and that, it does not look good. Obviously, especially when it doesn't work. Right, and and you know if it works, he's a genius, right? I mean, I, that's always the way it goes. And uh, but two weeks in a row now, we've seen the special teams gas. I'm I'm tired of seeing the special teams coach on the on the TV camera. I don't want to see him on the TV camera the rest of the uh, the rest of the season. So, and an interesting side note though on this on the uh, on the trick kind of plays. I also don't think it works. Now, this was really cool to see the the kid from Arkansas. Did you see this? The offensive lineman from Arkansas oh, yesterday. What he threw. the hell was that? They lined up an offensive line on the – is that right? Well, what they did they, is they – They lined up an offensive line on the left and a little offensive line way out on the right with a big hole in the middle. Right. They kind of shifted everyone way to the right, including some offensive line, including the quarterback. So there was, this, there was probably about two or three seconds there where you had no one in the backfield playing quarterback. And then you had, which I guess would be the left tackle or left guard – dropped back in the shotgun, took the snap, and threw a touchdown pass for Arkansas. A 330-pound lineman who got a tweet from Jarrett Lorenzen throws this touchdown pass. Now, here's my problem with that. I, first off, really cool. I love seeing big guys score touchdowns and do all that kind of stuff. But you're doing it against a subpar opponent when you're already up three touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I was watching and saw it on the highlights. One of my buddies I was, I was with last night, Said that is awesome, you know. I I would do that all the time. <laughs> That's what's cool about college football in a large part is you can get away with stuff like that sometimes, right? And and it is cool, and it it gets fans engaged, and they think, well, golly, that looks easy. 
Right, but then you realize who you're playing, and it's like, yeah, I mean, just. But, but I mean, it is still cool. It makes I love. You gotta love seeing when Belichick pulls something out of his hat or any. Uh, I mean, that was one of the more creative trick plays that I can remember seeing. Well, that, without a doubt, I've never seen anything like that. And I think really what it comes down to is Arkansas, record wise, is not where they want to be. But they could be. They quite possibly could be one of the best thirty teams in college football. But because they are in the SEC West, yeah, and they've played everybody tough. They've got a crappy record, and I think they just need to have a little fun. So I guess you can't really fault them for that, but it, it, it feels like a little disrespectful to their opponent, if uh, if you ask me. Sure. We are the weekend sports buzz here every Sunday from 10 until noon. Regularly, it's myself, Kelly Patrick, Mike Gandolfo, and the lovely Ashley Miller. Ashley, very busy lady, has a, a, a busy schedule today, is not able to be here with us. Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line is 502-384-1450. We encourage you to call in with your predictions about the UofL versus FSU game on Thursday. Huge game. Uh, your reviews of, of Kentucky's loss yesterday. Was it a moral victory? And what do they have to take forward from it? Um, we're going to head to the buzz line now. We actually have our man Brian the Insider on the line with us. He wants to talk, I'm sure, about the upcoming Breeders' Cup. How you doing this morning, Brian? Oh, I'm doing great, Kelly and Mike. How's everybody doing this morning? Doing good, doing good. Glad you called in. Hey, before I get into that, I, I enjoyed listening to your talk about the Arkansas lineman throwing the pass and kind of running up the score. Did you guys uh, check out what happened in the Michigan Michigan State game and the bad blood there? I guess the Michigan State uh, came out. Uh, the game was played in East Lansing at Michigan State, and Michigan came out and disrespected Michigan State pretty bad and uh, took a spear and speared the middle of the field before the game and really got into the Michigan State coaches, uh, really got upset with it, and they purposely ran the score up, scored a late touchdown, and then some very, uh, very tough comment at the end of the game. But, boy, a lot of bad blood there. and kind of makes you wonder. Brady Hoke won. When they talked to Michigan coach Brady Hoke about it, he, he didn't even know anything about it, which is bad. And I think, uh, you know, for as bad as Michigan has been doing lately, to go into someone else's home and uh, disrespect them like that, uh, boy, it's a real... <laughs> and then to get you know, get pounded on the field, very interesting stuff. But yeah, I wanted to talk about the Breeders' Cup. Uh, one week today, we'll be talking about the results of the Breeders' Cup. So a lot stuff going on. Churchill Downs opens its meet today with the Stars of Tomorrow program, all two, two-year-old racing today, a very good field, and two, uh, two nice uh, the street, street Sense stakes and the Rags to Riches, Rags to Riches uh, stakes, so uh, Churchill's getting going today, and uh, but all eyes are on Santa Anita next Saturday, Friday and Saturday for the Breeders' Cup. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about this Breeders' Cup. I'm a little disappointed, and we talked about this a little bit last week, that, of course, the Classic is the big draw for the Breeders' Cup. And we do have California Chrome, and uh, we're going to get the California Chrome Tonalist matchup with Shared Belief coming in. But this field, and, you know, even me being, I'm not saying like I'm a horse racing super fan, but I'm also not the average fan, I probably only know half this field. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a, it's a no-name field. I really think the big story for the Breeders' Cup and for the Classic is the uh, the matchup between Shared Belief, who I think may be a very, very special horse. Keep in mind, he's still undefeated, 7-for-7, seven 3-year-old, seven, and, uh, and California Chrome. 
And Mike, I don't know if you saw interestingly this week, uh, California Combs, one of their uh, co-owners of the Dumbass Stables, and they have truly, <laughs> in my opinion, earned that name very well. They have come now, out yes. and said if he throws the clunker out in the Breeders' Cup, they're going to retire him to stud, which uh, is very questionable. I don't know, uh, you know, how 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 sought after he's going to be as a stud, but. Uh, kind of early to throw the towel in on him, I think. Well, it's kind of interesting, I mean, because he did not look good in his last race, which was a grade two stakes race, and he finished sixth in the Pennsylvania yeah. Derby. And so now it's like, if he doesn't perform well in the Breeders' Cup, you're just losing money. I mean, it's, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't get that. Might as well race him and see if you can kind of get some of it back. But, uh, I, yeah, I'm with you. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And um, I, don't, I don't really give him uh, – you know, I guess you can't say he doesn't have any chance, but this is not the horse I would pick in this race. I mean, I I would probably no, lean no. towards the, I, I the really tunnel side. He's a special horse, and I really think he's going to do very well, and I think he's going to win the Breeders' Cup Classic and get Horse of the Year. And and you know, it's amazing if he does that, and he really has not got much publicity. You know, missing the Triple Crown races because of an injury, but um, his last race was very impressive, and uh, Jerry Holendorfer. Is very high on him. You know, he's owned by uh, the Jungle Racing Program, which is uh, Jim Rome, which is same uh, profession as you two guys. So, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a huge story, and I think he's going to win, and I think he's going to stamp himself as maybe a great horse, and not many uh, horses uh, are undefeated at, through the three-year-old season. Absolutely. Yeah, and a lot of people don't, I mean, again, when you're talking about three-year-old thoroughbred, you're talking about basically a teenager. I mean, you're talking about these uh, these kids that are just coming into their own athletically, and uh, they still got a long way to go. So uh, a little bit of a late bloomer, didn't go get to go to the Derby, but I mean, I, share belief has been pretty unbelievable this far. Here's here's my question: Why is Baron in this race? Why? I mean, I understand it's the big one, but he actually would have a chance to win one of the other races. Yeah, I, I got you there. Except he did throw. I mean, his last performance was a freakish effort. I, I I don't know what his buyer was. I think it, but I mean, he really, he, he either throws a freakish effort out on the front end and does extremely well, or he throws a clunker in, but he gets loose on the lead out there. Uh, it is a mile and a quarter, and he has done his best running on the front end at a mile and an eight, so it's going to uh, a little further for him, so he probably is not going to be my betty, but he is an extremely fast horse, and if he gets unchecked on the lead, um, it could be a very dangerous situation. All right, let's break this down a little bit. What are you looking to? What are you most looking forward to on Friday? I'm looking forward to uh, the juvenile to see the der- uh, you know next year's Derby horses, and I've been kind of studying up on that. And uh, you know, obviously, we all here in Kentucky know that uh, you know that form, juvenile form, doesn't typically translate. Uh, into a Derby horse, uh, a lot of times they don't even make it into the gate. But there has been there has been uh, some examples of that where that's happened. And, and today they're running the street sense out there. I think he did that. So there, it has happened. I'm, my eyes on Friday will definitely be uh, on the uh, on the juvenile race to see who next year's Derby horses are. All right, and then and of course besides the classic on Saturday, what are you looking forward most to on Saturday? I always like the uh, the race Wise Dan scratched out of uh, because of injury. The uh, mile turf, I find that to be very, very intriguing. You know, you get a lot of European horses in there. Uh, it would have been a great, what a disappointment for the you know for Santa Anita 
to lose two-time Horse of the Year Wise Dan, two-time Breeders' Cup champ Wise Dan. But uh, I love that race. I love to, you know, it's a difficult race to handicap because of the European invaders. And uh, a lot of the charts that I use here in the United States, I have not found to be very accurate in evaluating European horses. So it makes for a tough betting race. Uh, but, uh, boy, I tell you what, it's, it's a great, you know, that mile, the way they turn for home, that's a, that's a great race for older horses and one that I really look forward to. Uh, it's going to be a great day of racing. Santa Anita is going to be. Now, the, the big issue, too, is I guess there's not a ton of, uh, I guess everything's on the NBC Sports Network except for the Classic, which will be pro- broadcast live. So, you know, most of the people aren't really going to be able to, Enjoy the day, I guess, on or the two days on television-wise. What do you think horse racing needs to focus on so they can maximize their exposure from this event and, and try to gain some more fans? I mean, what needs to happen, I guess? I mean, that classic is pretty important. Well, that's a great question, Mike. Uh, you know, it, horse racing, like any sport, needs superstars. And, uh, you know, that, that's where I think shared belief comes in. I think if shared belief runs a, a real nice race and, and very convincingly wins that, becomes horse of the year, and is still undefeated. Um, and, you know, he uh, he's going to race a lot, and he's definitely not, uh, I believe he's gelding, so uh, I don't think he's uh, getting to any uh, shed. So I, I think we could that, that would be the best scenario, in my opinion, for horse racing. Uh, and then, obviously, you know, a, a dominant two-year-old coming into next season. But, uh, um you know, it, we need the young people involved in horse racing, uh, and you're starting to see that a little bit more. You know, when you go out to some of the night racing at Churchill Downs, you're starting to see a lot more involvement. But what horse racing really needs is a, is a superstar, and uh, I'm really hoping that becomes shared belief. Maybe, maybe a performance like California Chrome, you know, I mean, if he won the race, uh, boy, that would get a lot of people talking again and stick the microphone back in one of the dumbass partners' faces and... Uh, see what kind of comments they make, but uh, um, I think something like that needs to happen to keep the momentum going. Is it a little weird that we're a week out and we don't have uh, a lot of these jockeys named, or are they just not on the website? So who, who do we who do we think is going to ride share belief? Um, that's a good uh, – Mike Smith. Uh, okay. Mike Smith uh, got on shared belief uh, because he was on – you know, he had a tough decision to make. Uh, when uh, Shared Belief ran against Game on Dude, uh, I think in the Awesome Again stakes, and uh, uh, two two geldings, and uh, one was on the way out, and one was on the way in, and uh, Bob Bafford, Game on Dude's trainer, who's now retired, uh, he he said, I understand Mike's decision, but Mike, you know, Mike got on him, and uh, once Mike got on Shared Belief, he said, uh, I'm not getting off him, and Game on Dude, you know, I think three-time winner of the Pacific Classic. I mean, a very, very good horse. But uh, Mike Smith will be on shared belief. And uh, I, my money, that's the best. Maybe John Velasquez uh, when he's running good Joel Rosario. But uh, you can't go wrong with Mike Smith. Well, I'm excited because on Wednesday my horse races at uh, the second race at Churchill. So I'm I'm ready to be out there and uh, hopefully get our – we haven't had a win yet this year, so I'd like to get a win. Oh, congratulations. I'll be pulling for you. Yeah, Kinda holiday, race number two. Day. That's a great card. Uh, nice full fields, nice purse money, uh, very nice pr- uh, program, and I'm looking forward to the fall meet, but uh, best of luck in the second race today, and Mike. I'll tell you what else you'll find interesting. This year, my family goes, We every year we go uh, to Thanksgiving at, at the track. It'll be our 50th, our family's 50th Thanksgiving at the track this year. 
<laughs> wow, what a milestone. 50th yeah. anniversary. Well, we go, my wife and I, after, we always go on Thanksgiving, but it's it's late in the day, And but I see all the people who have never had Thanksgiving meal there, but uh, what a tradition that is, and 50, 50, 50 years, years. That's, a, that's quite a milestone. You might want to get uh, your friend John Asher involved in a little announcement. <laughs> Actually, I might do that. I might, I'll, I'll look him up, so I'll see if I can uh, get him to do that, so... But yeah, uh, all right. Well, thanks a lot for Brian and Cypher, and we're looking forward to a good Breeders' Cup and a great fall meet. Yeah, great. We'll talk next Sunday and uh, review it, and hopefully we're talking about some major stars. Uh, look forward to being on the show next uh, Sunday, and good luck uh, in the race today, Mike. All right, well, it's Wednesday, but that's, you know, we're good. So. Oh, I'm sorry, Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. All right, we'll talk to you later, Brian. Thank you very much, Brian. Thanks, guys. Great show. All right, the Breeders' Cup. Kelly, I mean, you're in the demographic. Do you, I mean, do you care? Yeah, that, yeah. that's a. Uh, do I care specifically about the Breeders' Cup? Yeah. For the sake of the show, yes. I don't know how much it moves the needle, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'll walk. I think what will happen, we'll have Halloween Friday night. We'll, ha- we're gonna have a pretty. We have a great street for Halloween. We'll have uh, some friends over and stuff like that while their kids all go trick or treat on our street. And, uh, you know, we'll have it on the TV. I think I don't – we'll have the whole thing on the TV. I'll watch it the whole time. I'll probably do a little maybe wagering on there through the uh, the Internet. But it, it's – to me, it is my favorite event to go to live. I like it going – I like going to the Breeders' Cup more than I like going to the Derby. Oh, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a great – I've been there a couple times. Um, it is not – you know, I don't, I don't richest know. Day, richest day in racing. Yeah. I mean, you get all the superstars. I mean, all the superstars, they're there. So – we are the Weekend Sports Buzz every Sunday from 10 till noon. We encourage you to call in. Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line, 502-384-1450. With your take, really, on any of the topics we've touched base on today. We're going to head to the Buzz Line now. we got our man Carolina Steve on the line with us. How are you doing this morning, Carolina? Just fine. And the play y'all were talking about, Pat Dye ran a version of it on extra points and field goals. 20 to 30-some years ago at East Carolina University. <laughs> really? There it all started East Carolina. Wow. And uh, other teams do. Uh, Danny Ford granted at Clemson when he won the national championship. It's a, There's about 40 different things you can do off of it. It's, it's really fun. I had it in when I was coaching high school football. I had it in on my extra point, and I scored about four different ways on it. Uh, for two-point conversions. So it's it's very good. And the thing about it is, Kentucky fans are just mad because the hefty lefty got taken away from the weight on it. <laughs> now, they actually, he got a little play from that. I guess uh, Jarrett must have sent him a tweet or something like that, and uh, they mentioned it on SportsCenter. So. Uh, but <laughs> that's pretty funny, yeah. I'm not mad about it. Yeah, yesterday was a great day in sports. I only had one loser yesterday, and that was Kentucky. I was pulling for it. It started off, I watched the race from uh, Martinsville, the truck race, and Bubba Wallace won the race. And the thing about it, he was, uh, the truck he was driving was a tribute to Hall of Famer Wendell Scott, who didn't live far from Martinsville. Hey, can you? And so I thought that was a great. Can you explain to people a little bit what's different about the NASCAR uh, playoffs this year and like how they're doing with the eliminations and stuff like that? Okay, they're down to uh, eight drivers now. Uh, 
each three races, they, they started with 16. Each three races, they get four of them out. And the thing about it now, Dale Jr. is not in it. Jimmy Johnson is not in it. And Casey Kane is not in it. And Kyle Busch. Those are, those are four real good drivers. And uh, uh, the ones that are in it, I hate to say it, but I think Brad Kozlowski may win the whole thing. It's uh, What they do is they... Uh, is they whack them off. It's kind of like Survivor, where they do that. And it's uh, the, the only series they do it in is the uh, uh, NASCAR, uh, the Cup Series. Well, I mean, it's, it's definitely going to make it a little bit more interesting going down the road. But, yeah, it's a shame that they've lost so many of those big names um, going into it. So, uh, But it means I, I like how it kind of puts the uh, – it, it means not just holding on to your points at the end. It's it's more about you know you actually got a race to kind of be in that top top ten. So yeah, it's uh, it's one. This is the first year they've done it. They're trying to compete with the stick and ball sports. Uh, so do you which, like uh, it? Do you like it or you I don't, don't like it? I don't know if I really like this or not because Earnhardt won his the old fashioned way the whole season, and to me, him and Petty. That's the two biggest accomplishments uh, as far as champions in NASCAR. But uh, also yesterday, my Alabama team won, and Clemson just about had me climbing the walls because how poor they played, but they still won. <laughs> Here's the weird thing about it. They still have a chance. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Playing in the Orange Bowl if uh, the uh, Florida State Seminoles make it to the national playoffs. Uh, yeah, or or if Florida State loses a couple conference games, I mean, Florida State losing again, I don't think it's out of the out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, well, but the thing I would like to see, I would like to see Louisville, well, uh, beat uh, Florida State. I, I was thinking, but Louisville's lost two conference games, so that wouldn't right. help uh, my uh, t- uh, my uh, Tigers much and everything, but. Uh, it would be, and I tell you what, all you Louisville fans, turn out and show your support for your team. And by the way, I had another one where I thought I was going to have that uh, Red Fox big one. It was Thursday night when my uh, East Carolina Pirates didn't play. that. We didn't play that good, but we played good enough to win. Carden threw for 445 yards, and uh, Justin Hardy, Caught 14 passes for 184 and became the number two all-time pass receiver in NCAA history. Pretty awesome. All right, Carolina, have a good Sunday. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Carolina Steve talking about the, the day down south in, uh, in, the football, in the football world. Very action-packed show this morning. We're actually going to head back to the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line, which is, once again, 502-384-1450. This time we've got... The truth. How you doing this morning, Truth? Oh, well, I'll tell you what. I've been up eating my vitamins and drinking my weenies. And just better watch the Colts go down today. The Steeler Nation better be happy. Drinking your Wheaties. I like it. Yeah, drinking my weed up. I put them in a blender. Put them in a blender and just drink them up like, like you know, like Hulk Hogan get his vitamins to say in his prayer. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. So a good day for you yesterday because Indiana could not lose in football. Ah uh, yes, we was practice. We had we had practice yesterday. We're gonna beat. We're gonna win this weekend. Hey, let me tell you something. I'll tell you something. What I learned yesterday about the Big Ten. 
Indiana could beat Penn State and Ohio State. Ohio State is not that good. I would agree with that. Now, I'm, I am biased as I'll get out because I am an unapologetic Ohio State hater, without a doubt. But I, the way I looked at the Big Ten, and even watching the first half of the Michigan-Michigan State game, uh, you know, flipping back and forth at, when it was timeout in the Kentucky game, I didn't think either one of those two teams looked all that good. I mean, well, Michigan obviously doesn't look that Michigan, I don't think, could beat anyone in the SEC. Maybe Vandy. And Michigan State still didn't. I mean, I, I, I think they got off to a slow start, but they did not look great in the first half. So Nebraska and, might be the best team out of all those teams. And I'm looking for Florida State to blow Louisville out. There you go. Truth, we got we got Carolina Steve. Didn't really pick Louisville, but he said he's cheering for Louisville, and the truth is coming out and saying Florida State's going to blow him out. All right, I like that. What do you, what do you think is going to be the difference in that ball game? I, I just, I just really, I just don't believe that Louisville defense is all that good. It's good, but I, I, well, I they cannot stop the uh, long ball. Uh, Ohio, uh, I mean Florida State, the best wide, second best wide receiver in the country, plays for Florida State. He's going to pick Louisville, but. Uh, I won't be surprised if they have 200 yards receiving. I don't think Louisville safety is all that good. I think their linebacker is strong, but I think Florida State be able to handle them. Sure. And they can't handle So what? Uh, oh, I was just saying, I mean, that's all fair um, arguments you're bringing to the table there, Truth. I, In my opinion, I think the number one problem the Cards are going to have is this Florida State team has possibly two first-round picks playing cornerback for them. Yes. And they're not going to be able to throw on those guys, I don't think. They haven't been able to throw on anybody. So, I don't know how much they'll be able to move the ball. Hopefully, the running game continues on Thursday for the Cards. Well, I think it's also going to, it's going to really come down to if, uh, if Will Gardner's pressured and has to make pressured decisions and has to run for his life, uh, it's, it could be a long day. I mean, and it, I don't know. I mean, uh, Florida State... Um, Defensively, I think it gets overlooked about how how they played, how well they are defensively. So, uh, it is going to be the biggest test for Louisville's defense. Um, and I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if, if for Louisville to win. I think their best bet is a low scoring game. I don't think it's to try to outscore them. And I'm gonna give you something. You might as well go and see if uh, sucker your camera. That Florida State don't play nobody else good. So they're going to be playing for the national championship. A lot of people don't like them, don't think they play nobody. But if they finish undefeated, they will be one of the four teams. Sure. Oh, absolutely. They will. I mean, you can't take the de- – if the undefeated returning national champion is there, you've got to put them in the top four with three teams from the SEC West. But that's okay. Maybe yeah. maybe two teams from the SEC West in Georgia. Oh, now, Georgia, <laughs> uh, Georgia's, Georgia's overrated too. I'll tell you what, they're gonna they are that's the one game as a Kentucky fan that I am just I mean, Kentucky can't stop anybody running the ball and that's all Georgia Georgia's does. Georgia's gonna kill them. Georgia is gonna just could it could be that game could be ugly. Hey, well let's give Kentucky some credit this year because they surpassing everybody because they, they really ain't played a bad game. The only bad game they played against is L S U. Exactly. And then I think and that was a lot of immaturity came to light in that L S U game. But I, I really like how they responded yesterday and they went toe to toe with you know, the number one team in the country, and they played them as tough as anybody has this year. And uh, I was I was really happy overall at the end of that game, you know, from their performance. I mean, I'm not going to say it was a moral victory, but it, there's definitely no doubt in my mind that Kentucky's moving in the right direction. 
Well, I'm going to leave y'all with this. I'm going I'm to let you know that Indiana is going to go to a bowl game and we're going to win the Big Ten uh, football game. All right. There we go. Good luck to the Hoosiers. Thank you very much, Truth. Have a great rest of your weekend. You know, I really feel like Kevin Wilson could be in a little bit of trouble at IU. I just I feel like they've not been able – they've had all these high hopes but not been able to take that next step. Uh-huh. And I, I don't know. I don't know how long the patience – you know, he probably gets another year, but – you know, at what point do you like? Is he does he get Dusty Bakered? I guess you know. Yeah, at some point you have to be moved. You know, you, you can't have to just, move forward. You have to. The state of Indiana Hoosiers athletics right now is just so low; it's amazing. And I hate to bash truth after he got off, but one of my buddies who I, I grew up with is a, for whatever reason, a lifelong Carolina Tar Heels fan. He was saying he's decided through all these allegations, through 18 years of a fake, fraudulent academic department, he's decided he needs to find a new team. And he mentioned the local teams, and one of them he said he's considering is IU. And I said, man, there's got to be a hell of an opportunity to buy low there, (laughs) right? I I would think. You would think they'll rebound at some point in basketball. I would hope so. I mean, again, they they were number one in the country not too long ago. So it's not like... Was that a few years ago? Yeah, what, two, three years ago? Was it... Cody's going to be a second year. In, it's, yeah, Cody and Vic are going to be second year pros. So Vic might be out for the season. I saw. Oh, terrible. So I mean, plenty to talk about today, Mike. You're Mister Basketball. We got to talk about this UNC thing for sure, though. We, I mean, I know we're way late for a break. We are. So we let's get to a break. We'll come back. I, we got so much to discuss. I, we want your call three four fourteen fifty. We will be right back on the weekend sports bus. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Brought in by the Ramones there. Yeah, Mike. people probably don't remember that song, but it, it was part of the uh, the movie The Pet Cemetery. Uh, they did that for that movie, for Stephen King's Pet Cemetery. So, Are you a big Stephen King fan? I haven't. I'm not anti Stephen King, but no. I should, what should I watch? Tell I don't. Me. I'm not. I don't watch. My wife doesn't like scary movies, okay. so therefore I don't get to watch scary. movies. My wife doesn't like scary movies really either. So it's like uh, I don't. I'm totally out of that whole genre. I'm more of the. I'm not really the gore film kind of guy. I'm not a Nightmare in Elm Street. The suspenseful stuff is what I like. You know, the stuff like uh, Silence of the Lambs and stuff like that. You know, those are the good kind of. What's the best scary movie ever? Silence of the Lambs. <sighs> That's a pretty good one, I think. I mean, I, I, probably my favorite out of that genre would probably be Sons of the Lambs. We are obviously going to continue talking about sports for the rest of the show. Absolutely. No question about it. However, Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzzline, 502-384-1450. If you want to nominate the greatest scary movie of all time, we're coming up on Halloween. Everybody's going to their pumpkin patches, and I'm going to a Halloween uh, jack-o'-lantern light-up festival at Iroquois Park tonight. Yeah, that thing, that sp- that thing at Iroquois Park is phenomenal. I mean, yeah, I didn't know really know what to expect because, you know, the 5,000 pumpkins or whatever, but some of the artwork on those pumpkins is just unbelievable. I I highly recommend going out there. I've got my brother lives up in Dayton, Ohio, 
and everybody knows that he has family in the Louisville area. And he said a couple people were asking him, you know, what what's the deal with this this Iroquois Park jack-o'-lantern event that they have each year? And so he was texting me, asking me about it, and I think people were getting ready to drive from Dayton down here to see it. There was actually, in, when we were in line, because you, you had to get in line, like the line's forever, okay? I think you can buy the tickets online. You I can remember. buy the tickets, but you have to get in line to walk through the thing. So we had tickets in hand, but you had to get in line. And it took, you know, the line moves pretty quick, and then it probably takes you about an hour to walk through the, the whole path. But um, there was people, the people in front of us were from uh, just outside of Cincinnati. So, oh, really? Yeah, the people are coming from all over to see this thing. It's pretty amazing. Wow. So, uh, so, so call us, comment on the upcoming Florida State-Louisville game on Thursday, your reaction to the Kentucky loss yesterday and Patrick Toll's emergence as a legitimate dual-threat quarterback. Oh, yeah. But also, we want to hear what your favorite scary movie of all time is. What's your favorite Halloween movie? It doesn't have to be Friday the 13th or anything like that. Is there a... Uh, a kid-friendly movie that you want to nominate? Out of all of those kind of gore movies, I would have to say the Halloween, well, Michael Myers' Halloween line is probably my favorite. I need to rewatch that. I've seen it. It was when I was real little. I've seen those movies, but I need to rewatch that stuff, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, if you if it kind of thing that floats your boat, like I said, it doesn't really do a whole lot for me. I never really got into Freddy Krueger and Jason from with the hockey mask and all that stuff. Behind the scenes contacts I have within the Louisville Cardinal just crazy fan base. Not the inside of the athletic administration or anything like that, but I've been told by a couple sources there is an unofficial official crab out for this Thursday. <laughs> you are encouraged to buy or make a crab costume, wrap it in saran wrap, slap a public sticker on it, and crab out FSU. <laughs> nice. Really nice. You would think there's a lot of negative signs when they're on the road right now. Oh, you would have to you would have to think that for sure. I mean, Winston is a very polarizing figure. I think I'm predicting he has a Kobe Bryant or LeBron James esque bounce back effect. If they obviously if he repeats and joins Archie Griffin, as really? They, if if he if he wins the Heisman again and they win the national championship, I'm predicting that he's going to be back in everybody's good graces at some point. Wow. I am. It's kind of like uh, like watching professional wrestling, where people go from heel to good guy. They back do. To heel. Yeah. They do, don't they? Yeah, I just I don't know though. I I think uh, he would have to do something like unbelievably remarkable, like win a national championship again. Yeah, but I still, I, think I don't even winning, know if that's enough. Like, I think winning cures all, man. I do. I, I think at some point people start to like hate the guy who wins all the time, right? So yeah, but they don't hate LeBron James right now. They don't hate Kobe right now. Yeah. They did at one point. Yeah, I mean, the the both of those situations, though, like Kobe... Rape allegations. Had a rape allegation. That was really only his real big-time black mark, right? I mean, he didn't have anything else. Other than maybe being difficult to get along with, things being like that. Being a little that. arrogant, right? So, and, and then with LeBron, LeBron just handled... That one thing. One thing wrong. It didn't necessarily... He didn't do anything wrong. But everybody hated him. He all of a sudden was the heel. He was. And I don't understand exactly why either because they act like the, these guys had never gotten these magnificent trios together ever before in in professional basketball. And we had seen it time and time again. 
I mean, people forget about those Lakers teams in the 80s with Worthy and Abdul-Jabbar and Magic Johnson. And then you had the Celtics with Bird and McHale and John, and, uh, and Robert Parrish. But they were all drafted there. I mean, that's how that's, it worked. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did come over from Milwaukee. Right. Actually, Junior Bridgman was actually involved in the trade. Yep. Um, but I think that the, the current state of the NBA played a lot into how a lot of people hated it. Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line, 502-384-1450. Please give us a call. We're going to head to the buzz line now. We got our man Kevin on the line with us. How you doing this morning, Kevin? I'm doing all right. Uh, what? All right. I uh, like when you said, uh, "Winning cures all," and uh, that is definitely true because I'm a diehard Louisville fan, and it, I really wasn't a Patino fan. And I remember a few years back, I was sitting up there in the Yum Center on singing night, and they lost. I think it was South. South Florida, and I was one of the people up there like, oh, man, Rick's got to go. Rick's got to go. But, that's a great point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's water on the bridge now, you know. <laughs> water on the bridge. You can stay as long as you want now. <laughs> Kevin, do you have... super critical, but... Yeah, well, I mean, that's how it works. That's the world we live in. If you win and, and you do great things, then... And that's America, really, in a nutshell. We're ready to forgive when necessary. And if you win and you succeed, then you get support. That's how it happens. Kevin, do you have a nomination for maybe a favorite scary movie of all time? A movie? I'm not really a scary movie guy. I'm kind of like my man said, more of a suspense type uh, guy. I like the, the stalls and stuff like that. I don't like all that crazy stuff. Okay, stalls, okay. So are you looking forward to another red-white scrimmage today? No, I'm at work. Um, but I'll be there come Saturday. You know, we'll see how that works. And uh, I'll give Kentucky a little credit. They played they play a little good game. You know, they played a little good game. Definitely. And uh, Louisville coming up. Go ahead. Coming up Thursday, I think it's going to be a real good game, personally. I don't, I'm not predicting a win by no means, but Louisville's defense is legit. And I think that Louisville, Louisville's going to hang in pretty well because watching Florida State this year, I can't even really – Really, I, I may I, I might be wrong, but I don't think Florida State's really blowed anybody out this year. I mean, I would agree with that. I don't think they've like I don't think Florida State's looked amazing. They escaped last weekend with the by the skin of their teeth, and you know, probably. I mean, I guess it was a good call. I mean, it still kind of burns for me a little bit being a Notre Dame fan, but because I, I, I feel like that stuff happens all the time on plays down the goal line, and it's just not usually called. But. Uh, but technically, I guess they got the call right. But, uh, you know, I, I, I agree. I mean, they haven't blown anyone out. Uh, what do you think about my comment earlier? For Louisville to really compete, this needs to be a little bit more of a low-scoring game than it does need to be a high-scoring game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the thing is, what thing about Louisville is uh, I think that a lot of us watched back um, when uh, Petrino was first here, and that first year, I think, was Stephon LaFleur's. They didn't look too good offensively um, until the second half of the season where it really seemed like it kicked in. Yeah, it'll be interesting because now we've had one game with uh, Devontae Parker playing well, coming back, and you, and you got and they've had this week off to kind of work on that even more. And does Michael Dyer continue what we saw from him last time? And that's only going to make Will Gardner feel that much more comfortable back there. I mean, there's a lot of things that we – we're going to get a lot of unanswered questions. How good is Louisville's defense? We're going to find out that on t- Thursday. We're going to find out 
if Louisville's offense is really kind of turning the corner, I mean, there's a, a lot of things we're going to find out from the from the game on Thursday. It's, it's going to be great TV. Kevin, we, we appreciate the call. Before we let you go, I'll ask, where does this rank on the biggest games in the history of, of college football in the city of Louisville? We did lose Kevin there. Thank you very much for the call. But, Mike, I'll ask you. In the city of Louisville, for like the game to actually here. occur here in the city. It's right behind the St. Trinity game happened that happened a little while ago. Uh, <laughs> I mean, listen, there really hasn't been um, anything of this magnitude. Of this magnitude here, you know, um, I don't think it's as big as U of L, Florida's in the in the bowl game a couple years ago. No, um, man, I was there. That's got to be the sporting event that I just maybe was awesome. Just it'll take quite a bit to top that for me. And again, but I, that was obviously in New Orleans. And I'm not, and I'm not trying to bash Louisville in any way, but really, their big wins outside of that Florida game have always been against teams on the slide. Yeah, going one way or the other. Now that I think I looked it up, that Florida State team when they came in last time in 2002 was fourth in the country, but they ended up with five losses. Okay, it wasn't like they were. Uh, okay, good research there. They, That's fair. It's not like they were this unbelievable team. This is a whole different deal. This is yeah. the, the the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. The reigning national champion, national champion, undefeated, number two in the country. First year in the ACC, the opportunity with Bobby Petrino and his amazing home record, the opportunity to really right some wrongs. With Obviously, the Cards have a couple of losses. They're not going to make the playoff or anything like that. Um, but there is a lot on the line for this game Thursday. We encourage you to wear a crab costume. Wear the crab costume. Wrap in saran wrap and support your cards. <laughs> with the, you know, probably some of those West Virginia... Uh, Big East games, yeah, probably be the biggest thing that's ever. But this has got to be this is bigger than that. Although this, Louisville had more on the line when those West Virginia games were, were in here, they had the first original. Yeah, they out. don't have a, that much on the line really, other than making a good bowl and having a making a splash in the ACC, which yeah. is huge. I mean, the the good bowl. It, it's it's really ironic when you look at those bowl tie-ins for the ACC. And all the bowls that Louisville fans were kind of hoping to get away from with the Big East are the same bowls. I mean, you're still looking at the Belk Bowl and bowls like that. Now, if the cards get blown out Thursday, do you think that's a possibility? Um, I I do think it's a possibility. Well, it depends on what you declare a bowl a blowout. It's almost football for me to. I mean, for me to even say that, I'm sure many cards fans are cringing right now. But so much really hangs on the balance with this game. Yeah, if they if they win, obviously this season could turn out to just go down as a great inaugural year in the ACC. If they lose, and, but they look all right, that's expected, right? Yeah, I mean that's what I would think would be the best thing. But if they blow out, this thing could really they get blown out. This could really spiral out of control and turn out to be a, a pretty disappointing first year back for Bobby. Yeah, and I think what we got to remember when we shape things at the beginning of the year. We kind of thought that anywhere between eight and four and ten and two was going to be considered a good year for Louisville, and it still looks like that's possible. You know, even with the loss to Florida State, eight and four is you know probably oh. likely. You know, that, oh eight and four, I I personally be happy with. Right, I think if I think that's what people got to remember. If it's anything less, I mean, it's it's kind of like the UK game against LSU. It was really disappointing to see Kentucky play that way, but you have those kind of games every year where the team just for whatever reason, things don't click. And if that happens to be Florida State, I don't, I don't think we should write off their, their whole year if they end up still eight and four. So, um, 
I don't know. I, I think uh, I think there is a possibility. I I think it's probably more likely that the score is pretty true to whatever the spread is set. And I don't even know if the if the spread's out there yet. So, I wonder if many people are picking this as a what would you call it a, a trap game for the Seminoles. It's hard when you're coming off a. Of, well, I don't know. They're coming off that Notre Dame win, which but they've had that week off. Uh, this is probably their best opponent left, like like uh, Carolina Steve said. Uh, so I I don't know. I, I imagine they're pretty focused. So they're probably hoping that they have some sort of controversy happen this week because that's when they play the best. Is that true? Yeah, I, I yeah, I, you got to think so. I mean, it doesn't seem if I'm being realistic, or if you're being realistic, or any of our callers are being realistic, the Seminoles are going to win this game. 502-384-1450 if you disagree with me. We're wrapping up the first hour here on the Weekend Sports Buzz. We got plenty of NFL to talk about today. Uh, we got NFL make- going on right now. We have NFL happening, the game in London. We got the, the Falcons, who we've you know said have helter-skelter this year. They're blowing the lines out 21 nothing right now, and it's almost halftime. So we got the NFL going on right now. My Bengals are playing against the Ravens at 1 o'clock. In Cincinnati, a matchup of the 3-2-1 and one Bengals against the Ravens. So Big game. Got a sting. Big game, though, for the Bengals. I mean, they could easily right the ship here. We're, we're going to head to a break. Be sure to stay tuned for the weekend sports buzz, which is, as always, brought to you by our man, Brandon J. Lawrence. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Mike, what are we brought in by? That was uh, Oingo Boingo, Dead Man's Party, from the movie uh, Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield, a great comedic uh, film, I guess late 80s, you know, early 90s. I have seen that movie, actually. It's a good, yeah, good good flick. So. Kind of a um, old school, before old school. Yeah, in some ways, yeah. Rodney Dangerfield, obviously a great, I, I love his just brain of comedy in general, so... Um, but it, yeah, good good flick. Uh, hey, big news this week: we have the first rankings coming out from the college football playoff committee. They come out on Tuesday, and I don't think this could shape up any better for a college football fan with all these amazing one-loss football programs we have out there. And there's still a lot of things to kind of shape out, but the committee's going to have a pretty tough uh, go at it right now uh, with these rankings coming out. I mean. Again, we could still see, even though Ole Miss lost, you're looking probably at Mississippi State, Alabama, and Auburn being in the top five. And uh, Ole Miss is probably didn't drop too far. The SEC West is looking pretty strong. But when I go back and look even further about which division in football or which uh, is, is right there with them, I don't think we give the, NF, or the uh, Pac-12 South enough credit. 
The Pac-12 South has got five teams ranked in the top 25. Three one, or three teams have one loss: Utah, Arizona, Arizona State. UCLA was, you know, in, is right now in fifth place in that uh, conference, and they were picked possibly to be one of those playoff teams at the beginning of the year. I mean, it's pretty amazing. UCLA, USC, Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State all in the top 25. So, how does the rankings go as far as strength of schedule for conferences? Well, I would have to. If you're going to go by division, are we going to put like the whole SEC? Whole SEC for the sake of this conversation. Whole SEC's got to be one. I would have to say that the uh, Pac-12's got to be two. Um, got to say they are. Yeah. And then it's pretty uh, – the ACC, I think, is ahead of the Big 12. And then Big 12 is easily ahead of the Big 10, right? I mean, is that how it goes for you? Got to be. I mean, although I'm pretty impressed. I do think Kansas State is not getting enough – is not garnering enough attention for how good they are. I mean – God, that brings us to <laughs> – to Charlie Strong's tenure and the discussion of that. But, yeah, they, they looked great. They, they sh- Hell, they shut out Texas, the they, Texas Longhorns. No matter how you shake it, they shut them out for the first time since 2004. And their one loss was a close game against Auburn. I mean, that's not a bad loss, right? I mean, that's if you're going to lose, losing to Auburn by f- what, like five or whatever it was they lost to them um, early in the year, I, Kansas State looks really good. Now, the problem there is – that conference is not really shaking out the way that it really was supposed to, uh, but you you got teams like TCU and Baylor still in the mix there that are going to be really interesting. Did you see what TCU did yesterday? Gah! What was the score, 85 to 21? They put up 80-something points yesterday. And now that game uh, with Kansas State is on November 8th, and then Kansas State ends the year with Baylor. Kansas State, this is how Kansas State ends the year. Baylor on November 8th, West Virginia, who's ranked right now, November 20th on Thanksgiving, or no, the week before Thanksgiving, then they got the Laffer against Kansas, and then they got Baylor, so TCU, West Virginia, and Baylor are three of their last four games. Plus, they go to they play on ABC at 8 o'clock this weekend uh, against Oklahoma State. So, yeah, TCU was, just put up gaudy numbers, like almost 800 yards of offense, 82 points in a conference game. It was uh, pretty amazing to see that kind of a performance. You know, when you see the stat line, it just, it was unreal. No question about it. Got to be what thus far is considered a successful first year for the college football playoff system at this point. So many storylines out there, right? Well, there's going to be a big push. I mean, I think there's going to be a big push to try to get this thing to at least eight teams really fast because you're going to have – you, I would say most college football seasons, and tell me what you think about this, there's probably only, there's hardly ever more than four teams that have a, that say they have a right at the end of the year to be the, uh, to be the national champion. This year could be a very much an anomaly and just happened to coincide with the first playoff. We could easily have six, seven, eight teams where they think that they should be in the in the hunt for a national championship. The, the year when, when uh, Jason Campbell and Cadillac Williams and Ronnie Brown at Auburn. Right, when they got shut out of it. Yeah, right. when they, that would have been a great year, but you're right. Other I mean, than that, this has to be considered one of the type of years that this is specifically set up for. And I'm going to go back on what I just said. I've, I've got to put the Big 12 ahead of the ACC. Even though the ACC's got Florida State, the depth in the Big 12 is, to me, better than the depth in the ACC. When you've got Kansas State, TCU, Oklahoma, um, all those teams, West Virginia, 
all playing fairly good football right now. Baylor, I mean, they've got. But you, where where do you put Notre Dame though? Well, Notre Dame's an independent. You're not, you're not lumping them with the ACC. Are you lumping them in with the ACC? I mean, they play more ACC games than. Well, yeah, but that I means they're not an ACC member. So, I mean, you got. It depends on where you come down on that. You Is have, that controversial? Am I in the? Am I just being a Louisville homer by trying to claim Notre Dame as the member of the ACC? You have five Big Twelve teams right now in the top twenty-five, and you have two. Let's we'll give them a half. How about that? <laughs> so you have what two and a half teams from the from the ACC in the big in the uh, in the rankings. Two and a half. Yep. So you got to put the Big Twelve ahead uh, as the as the third best conference. Uh, but you know, okay. the ACC's I, got this, I won't argue with that. But they, I don't think I don't know if they have an, a legitimate national championship contender. But the and the ACC does, so that's got to weigh somewhere in there, right? Yeah, it depends on how, how you come down on the Notre Dame classifying, and also how much you value the fact that Florida State, right, very well may win it all. Do you think that the committee, or how obvious does it have to be for the committee to put? I think they're going to have to put two SEC West teams in the in the in the playoff. Is there really a chance that they put three SEC West teams in there? And it kind of went away yesterday with Ole Miss. Yeah, losing. Ole Miss lost, so no. Auburn looked great. Auburn would leapfrog Ole Miss now, right? Yeah, I would think so. But the problem, so like if Ole Miss would have stayed undefeated until the Egg Bowl at the end of the year, you would have had a chance of having three one-loss teams in the SEC West. That's gone away. So that's what that loss last night to LSU did. There's no more chance of having three one-loss teams in the SEC West. There's a really good chance that we could have an undefeated and a one-loss, or, or, or two one-loss, I should say, um, especially with, you know, you still have Alabama and Auburn still have to play each other. Mississippi State still has to play Alabama and Ole Miss. Um, it's... It could be really interesting. I don't think they're going to put a two-loss team from the SEC West in there with one-loss team still around. So you're probably looking at two SEC West teams, probably Florida State. And if Notre Dame wins out, it'll be Notre Dame. So you could end up with those two, you know, if you want to lump Notre Dame in with the ACC, two teams from the quote-unquote ACC and then two teams from the SEC in the playoff. Is that out of the, is that out of the realm of possibility for So it? Mississippi State, Florida State, Alabama – Auburn, Alabama or Auburn. Okay. Um, Notre Dame. Notre Dame, yeah. And since I'm considering Notre Dame a part of the ACC, that looks to be like a very, half of the field would be from the ACC. And half from the SEC. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Notre yeah. Dame's a local school in itself to an extent. Absolutely, especially with the strong Catholic tradition here in Louisville, so... Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line is 502-384-1450. We are the weekend sports buzz brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Call 502-587-0041 to reach the best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville. No shortage of topics today. We got the full slate of NFL games. You mentioned there's a game going on in Europe right now. We got the Kentucky uh, review from yesterday's game. We got the red-white scrimmage today. NBA starts on Wednesday. The Louisville Cardinals play against, at Papa John's Cardinal Stadium, against the defending national champions in Florida State Seminoles Thursday. And we're, being, we're encouraging our listeners, if you're Cards fans, to dress up as a crab. <laughs> Do you think that'll make a statement? I think it would be hilarious if you watch it. It could be like a red out and everyone's dressed up like a red crab up in the stands. And You could really take it far with girls holding signs about rape 
or I oh, mean, let's it, not go there. I'm not saying I'm not I'm not <laughs> suggesting that, but you could those that stuff can get pretty negative. I would just wear like uh, Jameis Winston gave me crabs shirt. Jameis Winston gave me crabs is a solid <laughs> message. If you want to dress up as a crab, maybe someone you're with wears that. I think it's in, will it get in his head. <laughs> no, Dude, this guy is. Let's let's go ahead and paint the picture the way it is. I think this guy on the field is very focused and a great competitor. Yeah, and this is uh, listen, Louisville. You guys are a great fan base. Papa John's gets rocking sometimes, but let's not kid ourselves. This is not going to be one of the toughest environments that he's played in. So it's not going to be a situation where he's not able to handle the moment. You know, when he's had to play at other places that are. You know how rowdy will it be? Stages. How it's, rowdy will it be Thursday? Dude, the weather looks like it's gonna be fantastic, right? So yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. I'm, I mean, I'm not saying that it's gonna be like a national championship atmosphere. It's or, gonna be a great atmosphere or anything like that. But let's not tell our, our Louisville Cardinal fans short. This no, it'll and be a, a lot of atmosphere. Kentucky fans will be there, right? Well, I'm sure it's it's this is the local city of Louisville, and it's just gonna this this has to be one of the the bigger atmospheres. I mean, there's been a lot on on. Weekday games at Papa John's Cardinal Stadium. We saw it against Miami earlier this year. We've seen it many times in the past. Louisville fans like to get their drink on, and they like those weeknight games with the primetime spotlight. Yep. And this Thursday is going to deliver. It's going to. It could be rowdy, no doubt about it. You know, but I still Jameis has played in some pretty big stages. So famous Jameis is is probably going to be tough to rattle. Yeah, on Thursday, I would agree. I mean, I, he'll and actually, I I'll even go one step further. I think he um, thrives off of it. You know, you got to. Yeah, there's so much hate out there for someone like Jameis Winston. Yeah, he's got to thrive on it, or he's going to let it get in his head. Right. Chuck, so, who was it? Chuck Knobloch for the Yankees, who allowed something to get in his head. I'm trying to think of other examples of athletes who did not thrive off the pressure. Randy Johnson didn't do well when he was in the Yankees. Right. Chuck Knobloch had the mental. Just uh, block where he couldn't throw the ball anymore. We just started throwing the ball over the yeah. the first baseman's head. Rick and Keel for the, did the same thing. Okay, for as a pitcher, yeah, for as the a pitcher, and, and then, then he they... had a successful career as an outfield. Right? Is he still playing? I don't think so. But it's interesting that some athletes, and that's what we define as great. Michael Jordan thrived on it. Yeah. Um, you got to say thrive on the adversity, right? You you got to. You got to say Anthony Davis and that Kentucky team they thrived on it. So much hate out there. And what about Andrew Harrison? Andrew Harrison thrived. He stepped up. You're right. There was so much hate, so much expectation for that Kentucky team and those twins coming into last year. I mean, Twinning. Everybody was hyping them up so much. We got the number one and number two. I'm sorry, the number one ranked shooting guard and point guard, and they're twins, and we got them both. And then they seemed to flop at the beginning, and Kentucky went down. So almost like a Louisville season, they would just hit such a rock bottom, and then they just went on that magical run. So, yeah, that's a good – a very good parallel. I mean, that no one I don't think has ever put three clutch performances back to back like that in the NCAA play in, in the NCAA tournament like what Andrew Harrison did. I think maybe I, I I'll throw Luke Hancock's name in there. Yeah, he throw he definitely thrived on the God, on, yeah the biggest stage. So I mean the uh, biggest stage he showed up the biggest ever. I mean that's that was a, a extreme case. Louisville fans were turning on him at certain points during the season. He was a shooter who couldn't shoot. He was an unathletic guy who was a liability to the team, and he just carried that cards team to the national champ. I mean, during the game, 
So Luke Hancock, if you think of other nominees, feel free. I don't know. Uh, people who thrive on it. I, I would go ahead and put Jameis Winston in the same category as Luke Hancock. I know that's a huge statement. <laughs> no, but I'm saying Michael Jordan. You know what I mean. Yeah, I absolutely know what you guys mean. Guys like that. Um, Michael Jordan 6-0 and in the finals. There's some guys that are just – that can take the biggest moment and be as big as the moment. You know, Shaq, Kobe, they're not like that. No, nope. Michael Jordan six and zero in finals games, and I guess Jameis really, Winston's undefeated, is, isn't he? I would actually say that that's to me the thing that separates when you had the conversation about LeBron and whether or not he's the best that ever played. I would have to say that's the that's the difference. That's that, the deterrent to to getting the vote. That Jordan was unbelievable in the regular season, but lived up to those big moments time and time and time again, and. Uh, LeBron's done it at times, but I don't also think at times he's not. You know, just because the air conditioning's off at in in San Antonio, he lays an egg. Now Jordan in that situation would have just showed that he was tougher than everyone else, even if he had the flu. Yeah, which um, he did when he had the flu. Right? So there's not many people that deserve to be in this conversation, really. Magic Johnson, no. Larry Bird, no. Right? No. If I we're if yeah. we're ruling LeBron out for those reasons, then no. Great players and stepped up at times. But nothing the way that Jordan did it. Are we? As Jordan, the, Jordan's got to be the biggest. I mean, Jordan's got to be the standard, right? You know what else you would have to say that's kind of interesting on that point? It was Tiger Woods. It was Tiger Woods. And then now it's. And, and it, and it, it, now it, it, you went the other way. Well, that's okay. It was Tiger Woods achieved it. Michael Jordan yeah. didn't maintain it into his 40s. No, but again, and, I, and, I mean, ti- we're not talking about Tiger. Tiger's not even in his 40s yet. You know, he's 39, I think. He he's uh, Yeah, he's either my age or one year older. And then, but I'm talking about even when Tiger, as soon as that big adversity happened for Tiger, it he had no longer could do that. I think Tiger deserves to be in this conversation. I don't know that we, we're warranted yet in putting Jameis Winston in that conversation, does, does but he Roy, has the potential for it. So is Rory McIlroy in the discussion? No, not yet. He's choked in majors. Okay, that's his reputation is not that he he, he Sunday Tiger. That but has he choked on Sunday? I think so. I thought it was more of the day, like on, on, on the Friday or the Saturday. Okay. Regardless, I'm talking about a very elite class, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think Rory could be close to that be just uh, based off of. I can't think of anyone else who deserves to be in when it. He, when he was on this year and he had dropped back like four or five strokes on Sunday going into that back nine and he just blew the back nine away. Now, that's one instance, so we can't go off one instance, but when then you look about just how he played this entire year, I think Rory could work himself into that conversation. All right, let's see here. April 11, 2011, Rory, Rory McIlroy chokes in the Masters. On Sunday. Was that a Sunday? Yes. Yeah, I remember that. Here, yes. In the entire yeah, yeah, history yeah, yeah. of major championships, golf, Championship golf, we've rarely witnessed anything like this. We've seen any number of players choke. We've witnessed plenty more simply not having the skills to cope with That's right. the suffocating demands of a Sunday afternoon. So, yes, he has. Yeah. Now, now this conversation is very premature. Jameis Winston's collegiate career isn't even over. I'm not putting him in the same territory as Michael Jordan. But if he retired right now, he, I mean, it, he, he's undefeated. Well, I mean, he's perfect. Do you put Floyd, Tim, Floyd Mayweather? Do you put Tim Tebow in that conversation from his college career? Collegiately, sure. He steps up, but Michael Jordan did it in the at the collegiate level and the professional level. Yes, he brought it during the regular season, but he stepped up the most when it mattered most. 
Absolutely. I mean, he was the guy. Uh, he was the guy that you had to kind of focus on. The, you know, and this is a great topic, a great discussion. But overall, I just got to be so excited about what happens over the next, you know, two months when we have the end of college football going and the start of college basketball going. Is it? It's really about as good as it gets in this area, you know. And there's nothing really better than having the end of this college football and the start of the college basketball season. No, and there's no shortage of topics for us to discuss here on the Weekend Sports Buzz. The Weekend Sports Buzz is brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Call 502-587-0041 to reach the best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville. We're going to head to the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line now where we got our man, B-Law. How are you doing this morning, Brandon? Hey, what's up, Kelly? How y'all doing? What's going on, Mike? What's up, Ash? Man, Ashley's not here today, but we're always glad to have you on for sure. So, uh, okay, what's up? What's your mic? What's up? Oh man, good to, good to hear from you. Good to hear from you. You're excited about a uh, Monday night clash with the team from Washington? We're not. Kelly won't let me say Redskins on the air. <laughs> hey man, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's always a competitive game. Those two teams get together, so I think it'll be good. What did you think about the the performance from the Cats yesterday? You were kind of kind of critical of Mark Stoops last week on the on the air, and uh, uh, you know, were you impressed by how they bounced back after the LSU game? I, I think it was great. It was this, the kids played great, man. They played great. Uh, toes, toes played great. But I, I, you know, you got it, and everything you got to critique them. I I think it showed Mississippi State is it. The number one team, I don't believe, um, and I think Toes, man, he, he did well. But a lot of those passes, they had to wait on him. Uh, was behind. He throws an ugly ball, man. I mean, he he got the job done with his legs, but he, he I mean, he ran better than Prescott. But he throws an ugly ball, and then plus, what do you think about that last? The, the whole side kick was crazy, man. The defense was playing great. I, they had two minutes. They didn't have to do an onside kick. I agree with you. Oh, I don't know. I think I would have, especially with the penalty, I think I would have onside kick. I just would not have been, I would not have done anything fluky like they tried. The one thing that, and the commentator brought this up on the on the show, on the show during the broadcast, I thought they were poised to do like that little 20-yard pooch kick just, just beyond where everyone was lined up, you know, almost kick it where the SEC logo was and try to recover that. Um they still, yeah, but they had two timeouts going into that. You know, they had a chance to really uh, do yeah. something, and just I just I did not like being fluky. I wanted us to step yeah. up and and just man. So you know, because you were, yeah, you would have loved to at least give them a chance, and and even if they didn't get it, that's fine. You know, but it's I had I mean you know you just had that feeling that a game like that they would have scored. And it probably would come down to making a decision to go for two. And you would have loved to have seen them be able to do that, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, but uh, it was exciting. I mean, I, I, I feel like the, there's, there's obviously some holes that they still have to share up. The, rush, the run defense is terrible. Uh, yeah. They, oh, man, yeah. They, they got some things yeah. they got to do. But as far as moving in the right direction, I feel really good about where they're going. And I, after talking to you last week, I, I was. I think yeah. I thought harsh on Stoops. I still don't like him, but but I I, I gotta agree with you, Mike. I think like you said, man. Uh, I'm miles ahead of where they have been, and um, they're definitely moving in the right direction. No question, man. I agree with. You. What's he got to do to win you over? 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he got, he's got to win a big game, man. You know, I think that, you know, South, we're going to see what South Carolina was uh, is and not that great. Uh, they, they have to have, I think, they got to have a signature win. And, and right now, it looks like the signature win is going to have to be uh, the Cardinals. You don't think it could be Tennessee? They've they beaten Tennessee, you know, before. Yeah. So, and Tennessee's down. You know, the Cardinals are, the Cardinals are good. And, and, and I, want, I want them to shut everybody up in town, man. I want to beat them. Well, they got, four, you know? they got four chances to get that sixth win to become bowl eligible. And I think if he does that in his second year, I mean, I think that's pretty remarkable. I'm writing Georgia yeah. off, okay? I don't think – the way Georgia runs the ball, I don't, I don't think they got a chance there. I think they got a chance at one of those three, though, for sure. And I, don't, I wouldn't count them out in any of them. I mean, IU beat Missouri, and I think we're a better football team than IU. And then, you know, Tennessee and Louisville, where I think both of them might be a little bit better than Kentucky right now, I don't think they're unreachable by any means. But, you know, it's a shame that all three of those games are yeah. on the road. Yeah, I think they'll get the. I think they'll get to a bowl game. That'll be great. Yeah. And you know, and, and, and it'll be great for recruiting and all that stuff. Yeah, I agree with. Brandon, what what else is going on in the world of sports for you? I know you're a, a very busy guy. You're always traveling around, going to different events. Anything catching your eye right now? We got college basketball season coming up. NBA. What what what's going on in the world of Brandon Lawrence in the sports world? Man, I'm looking forward to basketball. Man, I'm looking forward to uh. See what to see what the Cavs Cavs are going to do. Um, that, well, I think the season starts this week. I think right Wednesday. Um, I'm hype about I'm hype about uh, the World Series. Looks like it's going to go seven games, maybe. Um, I mean, it's just I think like, I was listening to you guys earlier. I think it's like you said, it's a great time. Yeah, it's just a great sports time. College basketball, the combination of college basketball, pro basketball, pro football. Baseball, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's a great time to be a sports fan now, man. It is a great, great time. And I, I'll tell you what, that World Series, Kelly, you watching the World Series at all? I've catched, I've been catching some of it. I haven't sat, sat and watched any of it straight through. But yeah, it's, it's looking like it's, it's really matching up for, for going, maybe going the distance, being a great series. Well, and the thing I like about it is that Kansas City plays National League Baseball. They don't play American League Baseball. They well, that's play a not, lot of small ball. I, I'll argue that that's not only National League Baseball anymore. That's the style that the post-steroid era is led to. Well, I, I hope so because to me that's much better baseball than just seeing guys hit basically glorified slow-pitch slow softball and just you know hit home runs all the time. Um, you know, it kind of takes a strategy out of it a little bit. So, but uh, yeah, I love watching this Royals team play, and uh, it's going to be great to see a small market go in there and kind of pull it off if they're able to do it. Yeah, I mean, it'd be great. And then, plus, I, I mean, I, I'm going to let y'all go after this. My kids are acting crazy back here, but um, I'm just looking at this, like the shift, they're, ta- they're, they're taking away, do you notice? They're taking away so many hits, man. With these with these new defensive shifts, you know when they uh they they average out what where the player's going to hit the ball, yep. and it's, they don't just play straight up; they play to that. That's crazy. I, I agree. I mean, they're putting three guys on one side of the field. I mean, I, you got yeah. you got to respect the player that will see that and go ahead and do whatever they got to do to just get on base and put one down. Yeah. Uh, put the bunt down or whatever they got to do to get on base. I mean, Thank you very much for the call, Brandon. Have a great rest of your weekend. 
Hey, man, y'all take care, man. There's our man, B-Law. B-Law. I like it. No question about it. Defense is playing a large role in baseball these days. Absolutely. Brandon brought up a good point with the defensive shifts in the, you know, Ryan Howard's up to bat. Where are you going to have your defense line up? Yeah, because you don't. I know Ryan Howard's not. That's just an example. But you, you got to play defense. And that's back at its core. I don't know if we could compare it to the dead ball era or whatever historical place baseball was at. But it's a game of strategy and management. And who your manager is huge these days. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's definitely um, true. Uh, we actually saw where uh, Madden stepped down and is leaving the Tampa Bay race. Guy I would love to see come to Cincinnati, If, uh, but I'm sure they're not going to just... He's going to go to the Cubs. You think so? I know we have Cubs fans as listeners. I know we do. <laughs> and where, I mean, that's the only one that he has avoided questions about. Yeah. The GM of the, the Rays... Uh, went and joined the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's already came out and said Don Mattingly will still be the manager going forward, at least in 2015. So maybe if if Madden wants to sit out 2000, no, he's not going to be a Dodgers manager. So that makes a couple great, in my opinion, great free agent acquisitions as managers available right now. I don't know if you consider Larusa available. Well, not. I mean, he doesn't consider himself. And not until he, he has a job. Himself, yeah, he has a job. But Madden would be a great – he is a great manager. He is. And I think for a, um, a veteran clubhouse like the Reds have right now, you know, I, I feel like that he would be a really good fit if uh, – you know, that to me that could be the one piece that Cincinnati really needs to have happen is they need, to, they need that guy at the helm that can take them to a win in the playoffs. No question. It's too bad that we – it seems like it's been an entire year since we've really cared about Reds baseball – and I know that's a big passion of both yours and mine. Yeah, it was really hard this year. It was. So hopefully we're back next year and able to at least make a run at the pennant. I mean, you got to have reason to follow the team late in the season. Yep. Be sure to stay tuned. We'll be back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. All right, sports fans, last segment of the Weekend Sports Buzz. Mike Indolfo here with Kelly Patrick. And uh, we got an, uh, an action-packed last segment because we, have, of course, make our NFL picks. Uh, Ashley is not here to make her picks, but she's going she's gonna to text them into us, hopefully, uh, before the 1 o'clock starts so we can keep everything going. I have not tallied last week's scores. I, I forgot my little notebook that I have everything in, so I'll have to get those uh, tweeted out a little bit later. But I wanted to touch on real quick, you know, we are close to the start of college basketball season. ACC media days happened this week, I believe on Wednesday, for the uh, so we'll get to talk about the ACC media days uh, on next week's show, uh, which will be nice because we'll also not only that we'll have the first look of uh, Louisville against a another opponent. They'll play their first exhibition on Saturday. Kentucky's first exhibition is next Sunday after our show. So we we got actual on the court basketball games where Kentucky and Louisville will be playing other opponents happening next weekend. So uh, I bring this up because the SEC media days were last week. And for the first time since the 95-96 uh, 
Rick Pitino untouchable season, which I thought that Kentucky team was probably goes down as one of the most talent as to me goes down as the most talented to this point of all time of our era of our era. Yeah, I mean eliminating Bill Walton and Criminal Jabbar when there was no point. Well, I'm actually just saying Kentucky teams. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's in that conversation for sure with uh, with the you know you had nine pros on that team. Is that what you said? I believe it was nine pros. Yeah. If Wayne Turner played a little bit. So, I mean, yeah, so guys who played in the NBA, not just pros, guys who played in the NBA. Yeah. Um, we have uh, the Kentucky for the first time since 95-96 was a unanimous selection to win the SEC. And let's not forget, Florida is still considered a top 10 basketball program this year by the polls. Um, so it's not like there's no one in there for them to compete with. You know, I think Florida's going to be really good, LSU – um, I always think it's going to be good. Arkansas is going to be much better. You could see, um, I, I would think those would be the four teams from the SEC that have the best chance of making the NCAA tournament. So for Kentucky to get the unanimous selection is, is amazing. And then you got Aaron Harrison selected as the uh, play, the preseason player of the year. He's the shooting guard for the people that don't know. Two A's means he's the two guard. Uh, okay, okay. Two A's means the two guard. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, and then four other Kentucky uh, players make the second team of the All-SEC. So five out of the ten All-SEC preseason picks, Kentucky's got half the field. Wow. So what, what four made the second team? Willie Cauley-Stein, uh, Andrew Harrison, Alex Poitras, and Carl Anthony Towns. So, and the other thing that we're seeing is that it's four of the returning guys and only one of the newcomers. Yeah. Which is really a, It's a, a new day. It's an unbelievable thing. Did you say Poitras? Poitras, yes, was selected. Okay, so Poitras, Willie Cauley-Stein, Andrew Harrison, and Carl Towns were all on the uh, on the second team. So two juniors, two sophomores, and a freshman. So historic. Where's this? Where's this UK team going to go down for historically? I mean, what, what do you? I mean, they need to win the national championship in order to even be in the discussion, right? I agree. Yeah, if they don't win the national championship, I would think that it's a, it's a huge disappointment. Bigger, or is there more pressure on this team than there was the 2012 team? I'm sorry, the 2011 team? The the Anthony Davis team? Yes. Is that 2011? That's 2012 was the year they won the title. Okay. And U of L won 2013, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and that, that's a great point because as good as that UK team was in 2012, they were expected to win everything. And it was really hard for me to enjoy that year. Is this similar this year? And I think it could be similar, although the difference to me is going to be that the brand of basketball that these guys are going to play with being able to play 10 to 12 guys. I'm not calling Calipari a liar, but I'll believe it when I see it. I think he's going to play 10 guys early. Oh, early. Yeah. yeah, yeah I don't. No, I, it, but, but, but at the end of the day, he's a seven, eight-man rotation when guy. You, yeah, well, when you get to February, you need to be in that seven to eight thing. But I think his – you know what I think he's thinking? I need to play these 10 guys early. Because I've got a legitimate chance of having eight guys drafted in the first round. Yeah. And in some ways, I bet you he wants that eight guys drafted in the first round more than he wants the national title. I believe in the back of his mind he knows that his resume will be evaluated historically by how many national championships he's won. But I believe he's so overboard and so sold on his theory that the way you get there is through bringing in talent – so that I th- I agree with you. I think he's conv- and I'm not saying it's faulty or anything like that, but he's that's his thing, right? Yeah, he, is bringing guys in. He wants to. He's thinking about 2017 and getting the best top players that year, right? 
Definitely. And that's that's his entire pitch is we're going to get you to the pros. Look, we got back in 2015, we had we had eight guys drafted in the first round. I don't know if you heard of that, yeah. but the previous record was three. And we had, so, what, What's the current it, record? Well, it was five, wasn't it? Kentucky had five. Oh, okay. Kentucky set the previous yeah, record. Yeah, Kentucky's got the record. and then But then with him doing the draft combine and all that kind of stuff that he's done this year, he knows that he's got that potential of that happening. And uh, and then you couple that with the fact that we could have two Louisville guys taken possibly in the lottery along with that. You're talking about a third of the players taken in the first round of the NBA draft could be right here from Louisville or Kentucky. That's crazy. It'd be unreal. The pendulum has, has swung in the direction away from Tobacco Road. Oh, it's here. It's Especially he- now that Carolina is. I, there's no it- way. Does the NCAA just ignore this? They can't, right? No, they certainly can't. I mean, they but they've done it so far to this point. It's like the third or fourth time this has reared its ugly head, and the NCAA just laughs it off and like, ha-ha, nothing to see here. Move along. They do it the right way. They do it the Carolina way. And I just, they got to be busted, right? And th- could this be like death penalty busted? I mean, could this be like, you're, they're, they're really screwed? And this is not only Roy Williams' problem. This, no, this goes is, back to Dean Smith. And not only that, but it also goes back, it's not just basketball. But who cares about football? Oh, okay. I mean, that's fair. I, I'm not that's saying. Fair. I mean, if, I'm sure there's some Tar Heel fans out there who care. Butch Davis is shady. Oh. Well, I think all every Carolina fan will tell you that Butch Davis is. But you start going after Dean Williams or Roy Wood. That's what I mean. That's Smith or Roy touching Williams. royalty, and that's touching yeah. arguably the uh, top three or four basketball program of all time. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, they, what's going to happen? I, I don't know because I'm just waiting. You know, it's kind of like the uh, scene of Cinderella Man where the, the uh, judges take a long time to make their decision. And, like, are they going to – the longer they take, they, they're thinking that they're going to screw the guy. Yeah. I think the thing – we're going to have nothing – no word for a long time, and they're going to figure out a way. I, to let him off the hook? I, I don't – listen. I don't know the exact intricacies of – how much evidence there is out there to support the theory that there was an entire... 19 years. At, for 19 years, there's an entire academic department that was 100% fraudulent. And... Is that... Is, am I wrong, Mike? That's, that's pretty much it, yeah. That's it. Now, it was... Admittedly, people are being fired. North Carolina's even came out and said, we're firing people over this. There was a fake academic department. Listen. Now, if there's nothing that questions or... Or puts in jeopardy the sanctity of the the educational institution that is University of North Carolina academics. One of the top. This has to be it. One of the top programs, especially when you mix athletics with academics, it's got to be up there. With they always say we do it the Carolina way. If there's anything that questions that, this has to be the worst possible scenario for them. Absolutely, because everybody has to be in the know for this to happen. There, you don't fly this under the radar, right? Athletics, academics, from the head of the university, everyone's got to have an idea that this is going on. And so this is like a complete institutional, um, let's call it fraud. I mean, not far off. I know that it's not as near as egregious or as horrible sounding. It's nowhere in the realm of what happened at Penn State because of just the horrible things that happened to children. But institutionally, just having a complete lack of control, there has to be some parallels you could draw between the two. Well, I mean, again, two totally different kind of two scenarios. Two completely different things, but, but... From the cover-up stand-up of Penn State. That's what I mean. Yes, I would agree with that. This is not good for them. I mean, 
I'm just, but I, again, it seems to me that Carolina, Carolina and Duke have this. And that, this is really feeding that so much. Maybe a, Louisville going to the ACC and the ESPN attention that Louisville's getting, and obviously Kentucky being at the top of their game with basketball and everything. Maybe the pendulum really is shifting our direction because you're right. For so many years, Julius Peppers had trouble. Um, uh, who is the guy? Corey Maggette had trouble. I mean, there's many documented cases that have seemingly just been swept under the rug over the years. Right. Where they, you know, and I just feel like if it was the situation that was going on in Lexington, I just don't feel like it would be that kind of a free pass. We could talk about this for hours. Absolutely. So. If, you, if you want to get in on the action, 502-384-1450 is the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line. Got about 10 minutes left in the show. We're we going to make picks? Yeah, let's go ahead and hit our picks. All right. So, we got a, we, like I said, we already got one game going on right now. The, 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 the Lions are coming back a little bit. It's 21-10. Uh, I believe it's – I can't tell. The TV keeps on going out. They're, they're close to the uh, – they're in the end of the third quarter, actually, is where they're at right now in that ball game. Uh, so, we'll go right into the 1 o'clock game. So, let's start with Teddy ball game. Uh, Teddy ball game goes on the road, takes his Vikings on the road to play a, just a terrible Tampa Bay team. But Tampa Bay's favorite in this game. Tampa Bay is a two-and-a-half-point favorite over the Vikings. Things are kind of – Teddy's in a tough spot. Yeah, very tough spot. Okay. I'm actually starting – I elected to start the Tampa Bay defense, and I feel good about it. <laughs> I'm going with Tampa Bay. You're picking Tampa Bay to win. I, you know what? I'm, I'm not – I think Tampa Bay's bad. I'm going to go with Teddy going back to Florida – and uh, you know, he's going to have a lot of people in the stands supporting him. So I'm going to go with the Vikings on this one. Okay. Now we got a lot of this is going to be good because we got a lot of lines that are close. Uh, the Rams go on the road to Kansas City. Kansas City is a seven and a half point favorite. Uh, Kansas City obviously going to have a busy day because they got this game and then they got the yeah game five of the World Series. Even though that's in San Francisco, uh, the Chiefs here I, I got to think at home they're going to they're going to be uh, the favorite to win this one. All right, let me look at it here. Sorry, I wasn't completely prepared. I'm trying to make my... Um, uh, that was part of my strategy, to knock you off your game, you know. I'm going with the Chiefs. Going with the Chiefs, okay. We uh, then have Houston going to Tennessee to play the Titans. The Houston is a four-point road favorite. Houston at Titans? Yep. I'm taking the. I'm going to go ahead and take the Texans. Texans. All right. The uh, not sure what's going on with the Seahawks. I do feel like they have trouble playing at this one o'clock game. Interesting game for me here. They go on the road to play Carolina. Both teams now are sitting three and three. Seattle's a six-point favorite. I definitely don't like them to cover that spread. The message that was sent when they bailed on Percy Harvin is not one of confidence to me, and that makes me question what's going on inside Pete Carroll's locker room. Really. I'm gonna and I'm, the, go, I'm going Panthers. I'm going to take the Panthers as well. Wow. And I tell you what, uh, it'll be interesting to see if they bring in that rugby player. They haven't done that yet, right? They're, but that's who they were projecting to replace Percy Harvin. Um, okay, let's talk about you. Uh, well, we'll hold on on the, on the uh, Ravens-Bengals. Let's go to, uh, to Jacksonville. The Dolphins play the Jaguars. Miami is a seven-point favorite on the road. Uh, Jacksonville is that bad. I got to go with the Dolphins. Dolphins. Another game that pains me because I feel like the Bears have just been so disappointing this year. Chicago goes on the road to play New England. Uh, I got to go with the Patriots. Patriots. And a one o'clock game. The Bills talk about really bad teams. Although the Bills are you know record wise doing pretty well, 
The but this tells you how much the Vegas thinks about the Bills. The Bills are four and three, okay, and they're two and one on the road. They go on the road to play the Jets, who are one and six. But the Jets are a three point favorite in this ball game. I got to go with the Bills. Jets. You're taking the Jets. I'm taking the Bills. All right, so we could differ on that one. Now let's go to your game in Cincinnati. The Bengals have maybe not a must win. You know. You know what? The Bengals are in a must win situation here against the Ravens. They can't afford to lose this home game against Baltimore. Uh, and Baltimore comes in as a three-point road favorite against Cincinnati. I just feel like uh, the Bengals have to step up and take this one because if not, things could unravel really, really fast for them. Um, with that being said, my heart says Ravens, but I, I'm going to pick the Bengals. I think the Bengals rise up to the occasion today and they uh, and they get the win. So uh, we're going to wait on Kelly here for just a second. But the, yeah, the, but this, again, is a huge game for your Bengals, Kelly. Who do you like, the Bengals or the Ravens? I took, I took the Bengals. I got the Bengals. All right, he's picking his team. Let's go into the 4 o'clock games. All right, Philadelphia. This is a huge game, okay? Philadelphia, 5-1 on the road at Arizona, who's also 5-1. Arizona is a one-point favorite. This, you know... What a great game this is! Uh, I'm taking, I'm taking the NFC West team. I'm going with the Cardinals. Cardinals. All right. Then you got the Raiders going to Cleveland to play the Browns. Uh, the Raiders do not get their first win this week, in my opinion. I'm taking the Browns, who are a seven point favorite at home. Browns. Then the uh, the Colts are, of course, of course, we were. We were loving on the Browns last week, and then they blew it last week, by the way. Um, the Colts are a four-and-a-half-point road favorite at Pittsburgh, and this is a big game for Pittsburgh, even though it's not a divisional game. I think that they need to step up here, but I don't think they can. I'm taking the Colts on the road to beat the Steelers. Man, Andrew Luck's looking amazing. Who would you rather have right now, by the way, if you were a Colts fan? Peyton or Andrew Luck? Yeah, that's the one thing we haven't stepped on, checked on. You know, Peyton sets that record last Sunday night, passes Brett Favre. It depends on what you're talking about. Are you talking about the next 10 years? Right now, who would you rather have? For the rest of this season, Peyton Manning. I think Peyton's the, uh, got three, four years left. Yeah. I, oh, you, you mean for the next three, four years? I mean, I, I'm, I'm just thinking. I need, to know, know, I need to know what timetable I'm looking at. All right, well, I think you can't go 10 years in the NFL, so let's just go for the next four years. Who would you rather have? I got to go Peyton. I think so, too. Yeah. But Andrew Luck is looking amazing, though. Yeah. Like a future really MVP. All right, so I'm taking the Colts or the Steelers. Who are you taking? Colts. All right. Green Bay on the road to New Orleans. Things in New Orleans do not look good, but they are playing at home. Ironically, I don't even understand this line at all. New Orleans is a two-point favorite at home against Green Bay. Um, That's that whole factor of playing in Louisiana at night. Okay. Right? I, I think We saw it last be. night with LSU and their big win. Yeah. It gets a little crazy there, right? The voodoo they, they, comes out. They like to cast spells on people and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> so who are you taking in this one? You pa- taking, Packers. I'm taking the Packers as well. All right. The Monday night game. The Dallas Cowboys host Washington, and Dallas is a 10-point favorite, and it might not even be that close. Dallas for sure. I'm taking the Cowboys. I mean, okay. So, we got our picks in. Let's, real, real quick, I got Ashley's picks. Okay. Chiefs, Texans, Vikings, Seahawks, Ravens, 
Dolphins, Patriots, Bills, Eagles, Browns, Colts, Packers, Cowboys. So that goes with the Ashley Ashley Miller system that we're uh, the mysterious system that we know nothing about. But she's really done well since she's implemented it. Absolutely. I'm telling you what. Let's get back on the Peyton Manning thing right now. How amazing of an athlete is he? Just, I mean, maybe not athletically, but like just from a, a professional athlete wise, just coordination, and he doesn't have the strong. The thing about that's most impressive about him is if you look at guys. I was comparing him to Dan Marino with a couple of my buddies. I think last night, and Dan Marino was known as the guy who could throw the ball over those mountains, right? And Peyton Manning is not, not, nor has ever been that guy. But he's probably the most accurate guy within fifteen yards. Is that what it is? It I, must be. I think so. He's just an offensive coordinator on the field. He's, I don't know exactly what it is. So where, where, what's next? Drew Brees to, seems to be a little bit better to me of just a touch passer. I don't know exactly what makes Peyton Manning so great. It's just He's just great. Is he the greatest of all time? In my opinion, yeah. I would take him over any other quarterback of all time. Even though he's only got the one Super Bowl? Yes. Win. You give me Terry Bradshaw's steel curtain defense... And, put with and who Manning. would I rather have, Terry Bradshaw or Peyton Manning? Are you kidding me? I would agree. I mean, are you somebody kidding me? I, we did have a call during those picks. Uh-huh. Lamont wants to know our opinion on what's going to happen with the college football playoff this year, first year. I'm taking Florida State, two SEC West teams, and I think that four spot is up for grabs, but I'm hoping Notre Dame grabs it. Who's going to win it? Whew. How's it going to go? I mean... Is Jameis Winston going to really right all his wrongs? Because that first year of a playoff, he goes to the pros after this. If he goes to a college football playoff and he wins the first game and he wins the second game, and he, I mean, all right, here's how it's going to Couldn't go be any more glamorous way of it to go out. It's surpassing Cam Newton. The SEC, everyone beats up each other. Everyone in the SEC ends up with at least one loss. We're going to have two one loss teams in the SEC West, and I'm going to say it's going to be Alabama and Mississippi State. And they're the 2-3 seed. Florida State goes undefeated. They're going to be the 1 seed. Notre Dame, it goes in as the 4 seed. So we get that we get the rematch of Alabama-Auburn and Notre Dame-Florida State. How awesome would that be? Why not? For the semifinals. And then you're going to have Auburn upset Alabama. And you're going to have Notre Dame upset Florida State. Because I think Notre Dame is the better football team after what I saw when they played a couple weeks ago. Um, and you'll have Auburn be the national champion. I don't think Notre Dame or Florida State could hang with an SEC team. I'm an SEC homer. I understand that. Okay. As long as you're willing to admit that, we can move forward. Worst case scenario for him is that an SEC team goes, oh, did I say Al- I'm not Alabama-Auburn? You're going to have Mississippi State in Alabama. So uh, Mississippi State loses to Alabama. We'll go Alabama wins the national championship over Notre Dame. I, I tell you what. Notre, uh, the, the SEC West, to me, is pretty amazing. Their worst-case scenario is having two SEC teams in the national championship. Worst-case scenario. It's still, there's still a lot of football to be played, but yeah. Absolutely. It looks that way right They do now. not want two SEC teams in the, SEC, in the national championship game from a playoff. So we made our picks. We previewed the college football playoff. We talked about the UNC scandal. We talked about the upcoming game on Thursday, which we both agree is lining up to be possibly the biggest college football event to ever happen in the city of Louisville. Yes, and the city of Louisville, not the state of Kentucky. Not the state of Kentucky. Okay. Okay. I want to make sure that's clear. All right. Well, we encourage our Cards fans out there, or if you're a Kentucky fan, go to the game, support your Cards, and wear or cats. a crab costume. 
and dress, wrap yourself in saran wrap. Not your face. You don't need to wrap your face in saran wrap. That's dangerous. <laughs> but wear a crab shirt. Wear, bring crabs. Throw crabs at, at people at the game. But support your cards and do so by crabbing out Florida State Seminoles. So uh, a lot to look forward to on Thursday. It's been a great show, Mike. Absolutely. I've enjoyed it. Uh, you know, Looking forward to next week. No question about it. Fun to talk about next week. Weekend Sports Buzz brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence. Call him, 502-587-0041. Best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville. Everybody have a great weekend and go Bengals.